For more resources, visit rymonline.org. The Local Youth Worker is a daily podcast that's centered on five questions each week. Ranging from the practical to the professional, we're looking for answers to the questions you're asking. Whether you're in full-time, part-time, or even volunteer youth ministry, this podcast is for you. Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, We're here with Dr. John Kwasney all this week. Uh, We've talked about some things to do when counseling students and then some things to avoid. Um, But today, John, the question is, what are some biblical truths that give you encouragement uh, when counseling someone? It could be one truth or several truths, uh, but what's something that encourages you uh, in counseling? Well, I kind of got a pretty good list here of uh, things that, uh, scriptures that come to my mind regularly, uh, because it's a great question, because we as the counselor, and you as a, as a youth worker counseling youth, regularly need to be spiritually fed, of course, but also just encouraged in this process, I think in two ways, encouraged uh, to, to, to stick to what you know to be true, to stick to the good biblical principles about people, about counseling, but also because it's so easy to get discouraged as a counselor. You don't see change <laughs> right away or maybe ever. Maybe you see more failures than successes. You don't see tangible results. Uh, I put those in air quotes. You know, what, are, what do results look like in counseling? So I think we're, we're always needing to be encouraged. And again, that encouragement shouldn't come from uh, just people changing and we're like, well, this, this is worth it then. What makes it worth it is God's Word and what it tells us to do and teaches us to do in the lives of people. So several verses I go to. I, I'm going to start with, actually, I'm reverse my own order. What, I think one of the more encouraging uh, truths from Scripture that I've thought about for years is when you study Paul's epistles, and you see all the times that the phrase one another shows up. We know the familiar ones, love one another, but there's teach one another, serve one another, encourage one another, admonish one another, forgive one another. 30 plus times we have these one anothering phrases that show us that all believers are called really to counsel each other. Uh, all of us will not be called to do it in full-time ministry, just like all of us won't be called to youth ministry full-time. But we will be called upon to share our lives with each other. And it's really a one-anothering process. It's not just me counseling you. It's, it's loving each other. It's admonishing each other. It's walking with each other. It's encouraging one another. So those one-anothering passages uh, help us see how uh, church-centric, how Christ-centered, how relational uh, counseling is supposed to be uh, among believers. And so I, I head off with that one usually first. Uh, another biblical truth, uh, as I run down my little list here, uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31 is always in my mind. Uh, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Uh, and, and, of course, the corollary from the uh, shorter catechism, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That stays in my mind because that grounds us as counselors, as ministers, uh, in the fact that we're here first to glorify God. 
So the person I have in front of me <clears throat> and the counsel I give and the ministry we do uh, in this person's life is first still to glorify God. It's not just for the other person. Uh, it's not for them solely. I'm not there to please them. I'm not there to make them like me. I'm not meant even just to fix all their problems. I'm meant to glorify God. And uh, correspondingly, they're there and they're wherever place they are in their life to learn how to glorify God too. In whatever situation they're in, whatever struggle they're having, uh, they're all about glorifying God. Uh, you want to cut? Yeah, and that's helpful. And it's interesting just to think how those first two points are really, you know, the, the first and second greatest commandment uh, to love God and to love others. And to think right. through, I mean, that's, you know, how we're to read scripture is, you know, first, what does this tell us about God? You know, the word of God was written for him, for his glory. Um, to, to make his name known, uh, but then also the command to love others. So that's just interesting how those um, line up with the scripture there. Uh, the next verse that is kind of one of those first biblical counseling verses I learned, so to speak, uh, years and years ago, uh, that holds so much truth to what we're doing in counseling is 2 Peter 1.3. Uh, it reads, uh, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, to the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, especially that first part, his divine power, the Lord's divine power is giving us, given us all things for life and godliness. Uh, and that doesn't mean we're going to always be godly all the time. That means we have the power of Christ in us to give those things to us, to work that in our lives. And we oftentimes can seek so many other places uh, to, to learn how to live and learn how to live godly. And yet scripture holds the key and the power of Christ in our life uh, is what gives that to us. And so staying, keeping myself focused there helps me from giving counsel that's outside of his word, uh, that is simply some uh, cute behavioral method that I think might give some temporary solution, but instead focusing on Christ. Uh, and like I said in the last episode, uh, getting to the heart of things, uh, this gets us there recognizing who our source is, that it's it's not ourselves. We don't find it within ourselves, and we also don't find it out there. We find it in Christ. The next couple verses just help me uh, as a counselor to uh, focus on the task of really listening, because I think one of the hard things of a counselor is we counselors like pastors, youth workers, we like to talk. We don't like to listen as much. So it's, we like to preach. We like to teach. We like to share our advice and our counsel. And to sit back and go, I'm here to first listen and to listen long and listen well and listen deeply. Two verses I share in class all the time. Proverbs 20, verse 5. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. So we're given this picture in this proverb, aren't we, that listening... Uh, to the innermost uh, heart struggles of a person is oftentimes like letting down a bucket in a deep well. We got to let it, it slowly down and slowly bringing up and then go for more, dig deeper, draw out a person. Now, some people, some of your youth will share, you know, their guts out to you. <laughs> we'll talk and talk and talk and you have to tell them to stop. But others will be saying, I don't know, I don't know what's going on. And you, you need to, to probe and do a lot of listening. That helps us remember what we're doing. We're, we're listeners first, and we, we need to hear their story, and we need to hear their heart. 
And that, uh, a proverb that goes along with that is Proverbs eighteen thirteen. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. One of my favorites. He who answers a matter before he hears it is folly and shame to him. We, we do that all the time in counseling. We hear pieces and we already think we've got it figured out. Uh, we hear buzzwords, uh, we hear labels, and we immediately go to solution. Uh, instead of saying, you know, let's hear the, this whole story and the whole person as much as we can and get to know them because this walk in biblical counseling is truly a relationship first. And that does, I mean, it, it points to our, our selfishness that, that oftentimes it is hard to listen. And when we do, we just, we're kind of looking for our, our opportunity to speak. Um, but to sit there, to listen to another person, it's a selfless act. And then we're trying to enter into what's really going on. And so that's, yeah, that's just a good reminder that our sinful heart will kind of be bent into, you know, speaking quickly. I mean, you, you think of James, be slow to speak. Um, there's a reason for that. Right. It's because our, our hearts are bent that way. I got another one that has been more of a recent encouragement to my heart. I, I will admit that early on as a counselor, as a young counselor and and youth workers out there listening, you might feel this way too, uh, that the person sitting in front of me for so many years, I kind of really only saw them as a sinner. You know, I saw them uh, and heard their sinful patterns diagnostically, sort of, so to speak, you know, what, how are they sinning, and just saw them as a sinner. And years later, and with some maturity, I learned that people are not just sinners, they're also sufferers. And a great verse for that that sticks that in my head regularly is Exodus 3, 7, 8. Uh, The Lord said, I've seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. And, you know, the Lord, we we know we're sufferers, and we know we're suffering in bondage to sin. And we know we're suffering in this world of sin and the temptation from the devil and, and relationship problems and all the struggles. But sometimes, again, we sit in front of youth, we sit in front of our counselee, and we only see their sin, and uh, there's no real compassion, no real concern for the fact that they're suffering, sometimes suffering from their own sin, other times suffering from the sin of others that they are victimized by, sometimes just uh, suffering in diverse ways uh, uh, in their development and just where they are as, as young people. Uh, but they are they are truly suffering, and you you heard what the Lord said. He sees misery. He's he has compassion for those who are miserable. It, it of course reminds us of our Lord Jesus in the New Testament when he sees the people, and what does he see? He sees sheep, you know, wandering without a shepherd, uh, and and he's moved by compassion. Uh, seeing your people in front of you as sufferers will help orient you better in the counseling process than simply seeing them as sinners. Yeah, excellent point. I mean, and that's something, you know, as we had Ed Welch on last week or a few weeks ago, um, that's something that CCEF has really done a good job of is, is seeing uh, whoever's coming into your office as a sufferer, as one who has sinned against, and that's just a vital um, way to, yeah, uh, try to offer advice to interpret the situation to to offer counsel, it's it's vital to see that. So that's an excellent point. Do I have time for a couple more? Absolutely. All right, here's two more. Uh, first one is Romans 12, 2. Uh, a familiar verse that I think is helps us think about the vital part of, of biblical counseling, which is mind renewal. You know, as much as we, again, don't want just behavior change and we want true heart change, well, 
in that process is all also the transformation of our minds. And that, you know, we see that in Romans 12 too. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We wonder why our young people aren't following God's will for their life, are not seeking and serving him. Well, uh, their minds need to be transformed. Their minds need to be renewed. And their minds, some of their minds are just immature and, and young. Uh, some are corrupted by, by their sin and what they're indulging in. But all the way around is we want to see real transformation. And that, that helps us, again, orient us in counseling, uh, that we want to see not just behavior change. We want to see these people thinking biblically, uh, thinking with a Christian worldview, thinking about God and themselves and other people rightly. And so that's always uh, a very helpful one, as is this last one for me, uh, which is uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You know, that's a great Christian education passage that I use all the time, but it's a great counseling passage, too, because it makes us realize that this process uh, here is almost a m- better described as a counseling process. This idea of teaching, reproving, correcting, training is a is again. You can think of that as that's what we do in counseling, right? We're 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 teaching people God's word. We're we're correcting them. We're showing the right ways versus the wrong ways. We're doing a, a process of training them to live rightly. Well, what's the source of that? The source of that should be all Scripture. Right, so that keeps us biblically grounded, but then verse 17 keeps us with the goal in mind, this idea of the man of God being complete and equipped for every good work, that twofold part, you know, not the man of God may be perfect in this life, but this man of God may go from these places of disorder to places of order to places where they're uh, incomplete to more completeness, but also this idea of being equipped to live this life, uh, to love God, to love others, and, and to serve Him in this world. That's our goal. Again, it's not just the goal of fixing people or solving their problems, but do we want to see complete people uh, uh, growing and, and walking uh, the Christian life? Yeah, once again, John, that's very good advice, very good truth, um, just showing us how applicable Scripture is uh, to all of life and how it speaks into our brokenness, speaks into our counseling, and just Um, Ultimately, what a treasure we have in God's Word. So thank you for that, John. You're welcome.